sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! It's going. Cool. So, what I was going to say was my thing with everything in general is that if I get interested in something, I want to know way too much about it and get involved. But once you get involved to a point, like you get you get too behind the curtain, it like ruins things for you mm-hmm. in a way if you learn too much. So, I don't want to ruin beer i'd rather just enjoy it and that's all that's also the same way that i feel about like stand-up comedy in a way it's just kind of like i've never really had the itch to do stand-up comedy yeah but i feel like you know i could do it maybe if i wanted to i mean you could do anything if you want to do it but it's also at the same time it's just like i'd rather just not and just enjoy it yeah you know that's a tough one i mean stand-up is like man it's a whole other monster it's it's yeah you're you're like uh, and i know this isn't an original thought but hey you know i i can say something funny on stage or i can say something at a party no one's expecting me to do that no Uh one's like hey ryan go ahead uh, monkey boy let me you know hear your sean connery imitation like no one's doing that so whatever i say or do is super funny because no one expected it and it's out of context but when it's in the context of a stand-up performance that's pretty high pressure. It's almost like when, like maybe back in high school, were you rapping in high school? As a joke, but like um, as th- as for like um, there was I did like a Beowulf. Uh, pro- <laughs> it was like a, a Beowulf project that I opted to do a rap song and music video, but um, Amok had not yet been born. It was just some. But was it like a kind of Some thing funnies. where it's like nobody expected you to rap? So if it ever happened, people were like, oh, like yes. way overblown. The expectations were in the integers. It was in the negative for <laughs> anyone expecting for me to even articulate a thought, let alone, you know, develop a rhyme scheme. So it was it was funny. But I also grew up in the fucking boonies where, uh, you know, they, they didn't exactly have a high palate or standard for rap music. So <laughs> I think I think Eminem was just becoming a thing then. And it, yeah. we, were, we were still in the whole white guys can rap. Are you kidding? We were still in that phase of history. So yes, I was able to get a pop with that. Sure. Uh, before we keep going, I'm going to do my intro and stuff. Nobody knows who we're talking to, but we're going to we're going to leave them on a cliffhanger. Fuck and, them. Unless they've read the title and then they fucking figured it out it's on a need to know basis yeah all right here we go hello and welcome to start the beat with sykes i am sykes and this is my podcast before we get started i just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode if you're one of the people who listened to that conversation i hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back but for those of you out there who are new to the show Welcome! Please feel free to make yourselves at home, and as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Today we are drinking some Weyerbacher 22 in celebration of their 22nd anniversary. It is a delicious ale with some vanilla and cinnamon and nutmeg and I don't know, whatever else. It's like 12%. It's good! 
If you're new to me and new to the podcast, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at The Real Sykes, or just go to www.therealsykes.com. And last but certainly not least, Start the Beat is part of the Epicast family, which you can learn all about at epicastnetwork.com. All right, let's take a sip and give a cheers to my guest today on the show. Hey. We got my dude, longtime friend, homie, Amok, back for round two. The last time you were here, I looked it up. It was November 2014. God damn. Episode 33. I must have had something else to promote, huh? <laughs> Sounds like it was around detonate time. Yeah. I'm like the kind of friend that calls you when I want something. Like, hey, I got something to advertise. Could I get on your podcast? <laughs> but yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's almost three years. Yeah. Wow. Which I find that like the older I'm getting, the less time seems like, significant. Like, I was yeah. thinking about like... I was reading the description for the last time you were on the podcast. It was all like, mm-hmm. we talk about our like seven plus years of friendship and blah, 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 blah. And now it's already been another three. And it's just like, it yeah. felt like it was fucking nothing. Yeah. I think I used to really dread turning 30. I, I think as like an early twenties guy, I thought like, man, if I'm not at this point in my life and I don't have this amount of my 401k and I don't do this bullshit by the time I'm 30, I'm just going to kill myself. It's just terrible. And now... <laughs> 30 is just fucking whatever. Yeah. Who cares? It's young. I mean, 30 is the 50 of our grandparents' grandparents, right? People live longer, especially with men, right? Not to be sexist, ladies. You're all, I'm sure, aging well, and <laughs> uh, there's no problems there. But I'm just, there's, there's I think, with men, uh, uh, aging's a little bit less of an issue, right? I mean, yeah, 30's look, a new 50. The other thing I think, too, and I don't know, maybe this just has to do with like the circle of people I am around. I find that if you start to just finally hang out with people your own fucking age, you don't feel so old. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, and it's easy too when you're still like in the underground music scene to be around people that are in their early 20s and feel sure. like you're fucking old. Like it happens to me all the time, especially when I was playing a bunch of like DIY punk shows with like kids that are 10 years younger than me. It's like, holy shit, I feel old. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, with like Grey Walker, we're all in our thirties now and we play shows with bands that are in their thirties and our friends that come out to those shows are in their, you know, late twenties, thirties. And it's, I don't feel so old. It's just, I think it's who you surround yourself with and where you are in your life just personally. Yeah. Age is less and less and less a factor. And I feel like the older you get, the less you, you really worry about at least uh, that's been my experience, but your experience, you're, you're at these punk shows and you're with a lot of people that, Hey, they might be thirties or they might be middle-aged, but they're doing, um, typically young people stuff, right? They're still, they're not letting like that hold them back. Annoying young people stuff. <laughs> like not like, <laughs> might not, not be like, a good thing. Not like cool young people stuff, like having kids that you get to watch grow up, which yeah. is like a good segue that we could get into in a moment. You know, you are a father. People probably know this. Oh, everyone knows. Yes. <laughs> so many children. We're like the fucking Duggars, man. We just ride around a bus and just have babies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's another thing too, is like, I I can't imagine because I haven't had that experience what how that just changes your focus and your shift and like on like your how you prioritize yourself versus others like me like I don't have any emotional responsibility to anyone really outside of like my friends my girlfriend things like that but you know if you have like a wife and children it's like 
The notch is up a little higher, I'd say, with the just stakes like have risen. the attachments and things like that. For the sure. stakes have risen. Yeah, it's not all about you. Um, but uh, and we'll get there. I'm sure we'll definitely get there. But uh, you know, to go back to what you said, uh, you can see people who are turning thirty. You can see people who are, you know, give or take a couple years our age. Where in my life, with the people that I interact with, and nobody get offended by this because I'm not going to say names, and I, I hope you all know that I like you, but you think, God damn, these people are fucking lame. <laughs> yeah. Like when you're in a, and, and I, you don't know that till you have kids. Cause there's no, there would have been no situation in my life before I had kids where I'd be around a bunch of people that, you know, were my age and they had kids and they just kind of got to that point, which I understand where you're like, man, I'm just gonna eat fast food and I'm gonna <laughs> do, I'm going to sort of you <laughs> saying eat fast food. Like that's the, you know, that's the standard. That's the gold standard for a human or aging. But my point is I find myself around a bunch of people that I didn't sign on to be around. Like, I don't know, you know, my kids, uh, friends, parents, and when they're in sports and I get in situations where I just, and my wife knows this. I just look at her and she knows I'm right at that precipice of just like hanging myself. Like she knows because I see that in people and I see people who have had kids and they use that as an excuse to let themselves go and not do anything. And that kind of hits a sore spot for me because I don't like that. Everybody's different, but I don't like that as a parent. You know, I want to do things that are important to me so that my kids see that so that they see that they can do that stuff too. Yeah, I don't uh, like to use that as sort of an out or a segue to now I'm fat and lazy and I just bullshit with these other dads about my youth and about what things could have been like. Like I don't like that feeling. So I'm very hypersensitive to being around a bunch of super lame 30 plus males. If that oh, yeah. makes any sense. 100%. I just hate being around lazy people <laughs> in general. Yeah, right, right. It's not sensitive to parents. It's not sensitive to males. But um, when you're in a situation where you're at kids' sport games and you're at fundraisers and you can't not be there because you can't be the one dick that, you know, <laughs> oh, dad, why didn't your dad come? You know, yeah. you got to be there. But there's seldom a time where I'm in the that environment and I'm thinking, ah, oh, what a bunch of interesting go-getters. What a bunch of people that are challenging themselves every day. There are exceptions to the rule, but more often than not, I'm seeing people that have either always been that way or they've used that as an out or they've used that as an excuse to just kind of let themselves go. And as someone who feels like I've partially done that, it makes me really hypersensitive and really like, oh my God, am I him? Am I that guy? And I don't want to be that guy. So it's, it's funny that you say that because it sounds like we have different we're in different groups sort of and we have different interpretations of the aging process oh totally yeah I don't find myself in those situations instead I kind of find myself in an opposite situation where I'm in a basement somewhere with a bunch of kids that are you know five to ten years younger than me and just feeling like I mean I fit in because we're all in bands and we're all drinking and stuff like that but then Every once in a while, it kind of clicks where it's just like, what, like, what is going on? Why am I still doing this? Mm -hmm. Especially when you have the the parallel of like Greywalker, where it's like that doesn't really happen so much with Greywalker. It's more like the age. It's I don't know how to explain it. It's just they're two different. 
environments where like Sykes was living and where Grey Walker lives. But yeah. I've kind of like made a conscious decision now just over like the past couple months and things kind of taken like a nosedive in a way of just being like, you know, like I want to be able to share my art with anybody that wants to hear it. But I also need to like set some sort of a standard or a bar for my art and where and how I show it. Yeah. Because it's not like the basement show shit is fun, but it's like not fun where I'm like I can't have like a good sound. I can't like invite all of my friends out because I don't want to come hang out in a basement with a bunch of 21 year olds. Sure. Or like, you know, I can't like give the full presentation of what I want to do. So it's just like, I think I just need to kind of get to a point and it sucks because I have a lot of good friends in that community where it's just like, I can't do this anymore. It's just not benefiting my, my work at all. Right. And that's, it's so tough because there's something about that, like early twenties, there's something about that ballpark age where you almost can't be held accountable for your actions. Like uh, you see so many people, whether it's, you know, people partying in the South side or people being belligerent at shows or people being, you know, non-responsive at shows or, or whatever, where, you know, as a 30 something person who's been around the block, you think to yourself, what the fuck, why would you do that? Or what is this person ignorant? And then you have to remember, what were you like at 21? What were you like yeah. at 18? And you have to make that conscious comparison. And if you can take a time out and do that, you'll be able to empathize a little bit because God damn, that's a hard age. Yeah, I definitely empathize. And I have no problem with that community existing. I think it's important for people to have a place, you know, to have an outlet like that. Because there aren't a whole lot of places for people to play in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like playing bigger venues. You know, it's kind of like against either it's against their ethics or it's just not their thing or they're not like ready for it or they just don't have a sound that works for it. But I'm in the opposite boat. It's like I feel like the bigger the venue I play, the better my shows are. Just like. I like it's I, I think about all of like the best shows that I've played over the past couple of years and they've been the shows at Mr. Smalls or at Alter Bar when it was still open, actually getting a stage and lights and big sound. It's like cause I'm trying to like deliver a big product. Yeah. And like it sounds so not like punk rock to say that, but it's just coming to terms with like, well, this is what I want to do. Right. And this is what I do. And I just need to accept that and stop trying to, you know, make everybody happy. Right, you or put time into your like, writing, you or, put time or being into worried about you know playing shows all the time and things like that. It's just, I don't know. I get, I think it's real easy as an artist to convince yourself like if you're not playing all the time that like you're fucking up. But well, I definitely don't have that problem. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's the thing is I think that I need to. I think I played a ton. I just kind of needed to finally realize and tell myself that it wasn't benefiting anything, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, maybe small baby steps, but I could get much more benefit from staying in and actually working on finishing this new album or just being at the practice space and rehearsing the set rather than being in a basement every week or something like that. Right. So it's just, that's just for me personally, it's nothing against other people or other artists or how they go about their business. It's just like, I mean, fuck, like, me and you both is like, dude, I've been doing this for like 10 years. Sure. You know, and it's just like, all right, like, 
I'm not at the point where it's like, all right, time to hang up the hat. But I definitely think that I'm at the point where I can say like, look, you know, like this just isn't good enough for me and I'm going to pick and choose what I do. And if it's not up to my standards, I'm not going to do it. It's not worth my time. Sure. Like, well, yeah, you're totally right. And, you know, thinking through the, I'm not one because I rarely do out of state shows and I'm lucky enough to have some, you know, hopefully coming up this fall. But, um, I think of the perspective of, even if you're a local guy, how often do you play? You know, is it special? Is it something where you still have that core group of people that did they just see you last weekend, you know, and now they want to see you again? Or are they like, fuck, this guy just performed. Who cares about this guy? So I try to approach any more uh, as much as I can afford to, you know, put time and thought into this stuff. I, I try to approach doing shows locally as though I was touring as though, Hey, yeah. you know, it, it, they say this uh, old pro wrestling proverb, but, uh, how, how can I miss you if you don't go away? Right. They used to say that back in the territory. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes would, would be in the territory for constantly. He wouldn't have been a big deal, but if he goes away for six months and he comes back now, everybody in uh, whatever mid South wrestling wants to see Dusty Rhodes again. So mm-hmm. I kind of think of it like that. And uh, again, we're, we're in much different situations and in, in what we're doing now, but um, I, I just try to think of it. Did, am I wanted here now? Is it worth my time now? to go and play for these people now. Right. And ideally you'd say, Hey, any shows, any, anybody who wants to see me, it's always good. But especially like uh Brian, when you're involved in as much stuff as you're in, I imagine it's time to pick and choose. You know, you can't possibly take every, yeah, that's, that's everything. Everyone too. pitches to you. It's definitely not like, this is the only thing that I'm doing. And I think that, that, I mean, people know that mm-hmm. it, I think, you know, definitely over the past year, I just kind of wanted to do a lot of experimenting and just seeing playing as many different shows as I could because they were all kind of like different weird demographics of people within the scene because mm-hmm. the scene in Pittsburgh is very big. It's very diverse, but it's very segregated and people stay in their bubbles. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to pop every bubble, you know? And unfortunately, it just kind of felt that it ended up being kind of a failed experiment. Like I didn't really go, I didn't come out knowing anything that I didn't already know. Right. You know, I just ended up playing a bunch of shows and maybe made some new connections here and there. It wasn't a waste, but it also wasn't like the most productive way I probably could have spent the year. But again, what's a year anymore? We're getting older. Time flies. Fuck it. Well, yeah. And the... You know, the the tricky thing about being an indie artist or or not even just, you know, music or, or just doing anything on your own, you know, starting a business, being your own boss is there's no user's manual. There's no training guide. You start a job for a corporation or you work for somebody, there's going to be an algorithm. There's going to be a very specific way in which you do things on certain days and you work towards numbers and you work towards a goal. But when you're independent there's nobody that's going to come around the corner. You're not going to have a supervisor come around and say, Oh yeah. Yeah. Brian, you're doing a good job or yeah, you're on track now. It's just, it's all gut. It's all, Hey, where do I need to go? And that can be hard because I feel like if you put most people in a situation, Hey, they're working an assembly line. If you do, if you tell them you do this and you put forth effort, it will pay off. They will do it. Right. But as an artist, as someone who is self-managed, how do you always know where to put what eggs to put in what basket. Cause sometimes you just fucking waste time 
and you figure that out after the fact and you just got to eat it. You got to be like, yeah, I wasted time. But how do you know going in what areas of your art are going to be productive or economical for you and what areas are going to be just a total bust? And there's almost no way as much as you research and as much as you talk to other people who've toured or who've done it, there's almost no way to figure that out until you just fucking fail or succeed. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's just that trying not to lose sight of the the base of it all is just like this is something i started doing because i thought it was fun and i enjoyed doing it so i need to just keep it fun and keep doing the things that i enjoy and just moving on to the next step it's like okay well where am i at now what do i want to do you know do i actually want to play all these shows or am i just convincing myself that i want to play these shows I don't want to play those shows. So what do I really want to do? Oh, I want to instead like get everybody together and film like a promotional video or let's do a a photo shoot. Like, is that going to be more productive than playing the show? Yes. Okay. Then let's do that instead. Right. I think I just kind of lost sight of that for a while. And it was all about just like play, 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 promote, promote, promote. And that wasn't even anything that I wanted to really do. It just felt like I had to do it. Right. You know, I felt like I was following some, guidelines that I made up for myself that were weren't even necessary. Right. And uh yeah, I mean, whoops. Wasn't a complete fuck up, but at the same time, you know, it'd be awesome if this album was ready now, but also life's fucking unpredictable and you especially if like you start incorporating other people into your art and you have bandmates and things like that, you're dealing with their schedules and their lives are just as unpredictable as yours. And they might decide they want to do something else. And, you know, I mean, granted, just the way that my, just the way fate laid its, laid itself in front of me right now, it's probably good that I don't have an album ready to come out because I don't have a Mm -hmm. band to play it live. I don't know what I would be doing. So I guess it's better now that I'm in a position where, okay, you know, I realized that I wasn't doing what I should be doing. But I have a better idea now of what I should be doing. So I'm going to do it. It's going to take some time. But again, fuck it. What's time anymore? It doesn't matter. It's not like there's people banging on my door for an album. Right. And that's the hard part. And that is something that I'm very conflicted about and go back and forth because like, you know, for instance, I got an album coming out on October 20th called For My Own Amusement. It's an EP that I've been working on. And I set that date as the release date. I like it. Thank you. We'll get into why it's called that, I'm sure. But (laughs) uh, I can only imagine. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, I'm the one who set that date. There wasn't a record label saying, oh, yeah, Ryan, you got to get this out by here. Uh You don't get any money because I probably won't get any money anyway. So, you know, I set that. It's a totally arbitrary date. Well, it's not arbitrary. It lines up with a few things in my personal life. But having said that, if I didn't set that date for myself and I didn't have a timeline, um, it might never see the light of day because I'm that kind of person that I'll work on a fucking EP for three years and I'll never, I mean, you and I were just talking about your album and how you'll work on things, then you'll revisit it. And, you know, I know you get sidetracked with other shit. It's just like, yeah, and sometimes that's good because sometimes you cut too deep and you need to step away. You're working and working and you're like, you need to step away and come back with a fresh set of eyes and, and see, was this was this really a good direction I was headed in? I've done all this writing. Yeah. You need to be objective. But you could do that till the fucking cows come home. You know, you're waiting for Godot just 
when am I going to get this album done? So I know in my mind, like I'm writing for like, okay, this song's got to be done. We got to record this this week. And whatever I get done that week is what is going to be recorded no matter what. And again, there's no one twisting my tits saying, yeah, this has to happen now I'm doing it, but I just know myself well enough to know if I don't work in some sort of loose time frame. It'll never be done. You're, you're, the bar you spit could always be better. You could get that dub better. You could do a different hook. You could bring someone in to help. Like you could do there. It's like the, uh, uh, whatever the, uh, multiverse, right? There's a, there's a fucking million ways <laughs> that this shit could end up in the final product. But if I want to have any kind of final product that I'm happy with, I have to set a due date and I have to do it. But again, as we said, no one's going to hold your hand and say, you got to do this. You got to figure out when the due date is. You got to figure out when that's going to realistically work without rushing it, without just putting out something that's absolute shit. Yeah, that's, you know, that's where I am right now. You know, I wanted to fuck. I mean, like I started doing pre-production for this album in December and I was like, yeah, this will be out in May. And there's, it could have been, Yeah, it was all written. But then, you know, it's like, okay, well, some things came up. Let's play some shows, some like out-of-town shows. Mm-hmm. And we do that. And then all these other local shows come up. But it's like, okay, let's do that. It is summer. You know, let's play out, get all these cool opportunities, yada, yada, yada. And uh, everything got sidetracked, you right. know? And then on top of Gray Walker and this podcast and the beer fest and work every day and then having a significant other who you need to give some amount of time to so they don't mm-hmm. think that, you know, you hate them or whatever. Sure. And uh, then just time for me to just, like, do laundry or make myself dent like, dumb shit. It just, like, all fucking adds up. You know, they're, like, yesterday it was like, fuck, I really want to work on this mix after Evan left. It's like, well, I got to do laundry. and I need to do It's like, you know, it's like, it sounds so lame to say it, but it's like, fuck, I need to do this shit. Right. And it's like, it just adds up and you need to be patient because I have friends that I know that always talk about wanting to do stuff or get back into doing stuff and they just give themselves excuses of why they're not doing things. And it's like, I don't give a shit how fucking busy you are. Like you have a lot going on and I know other people that have a lot going on and they still get shit done. I mean, granted, it's at a slow pace, but it's like I'd rather get something done slowly than just not at all. Yeah, it, it's totally, totally hard um, th- to just keep going on a, a you know progressive path towards something. And you know, like like you had alluded to earlier, you know, I have kids, I'm married, I have three boys. Um, my twins are six, and my youngest one is is sixteen months, and it's it's goddamn crazy. You know, <laughs> it's like there, there are some nights and I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, I'm career oriented. I have a, a job where I travel a lot and I, I, you know, put a lot into, and I, I put a lot into my family and I try to work out and take care of myself, but I never want to lose sight of, Hey, if I have an album or a due date, I got to get this done. So that brings you back to like, man, sometimes you got to stay up till five in the morning and you got to go to work the next day. And like, you got those gut check moments where it's like you might, you know, someone like you might say, this is, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going tonight or I'm going to make sure this is done before I go to bed. That might be the differentiating factor for another person in a similar situation to say, well, shit, I can't do that. You know, I got to go to work tomorrow or I got to do this. Well, guess what? Unless you're 
um, a trust fund baby or you have l- virtually no priorities or responsibilities, you're always going to have to shit to do, right? Yeah. Is it just tomorrow, Monday? You probably have to work. You probably have to get up. Um, if you're if you're a dad, you probably have kids clinging onto your nuts and you got to do X, Y, and Z for them. And you cannot not do that. That's not, it's not an option for you to not do that. You know, you, you have to yeah. step up and do it. Um, but it makes it very, very hard to get stuff done. And I've been in that situation where I'm just like, man, can I do this? Can I keep moving forward? Should I not continue to write this album? And it just gets to the point where if I don't do it, I actually feel like I'm letting my kids down because they listen to select songs. (laughs) We're going to have an edited version of For My Own Amusement that's for my kids. But I feel like if I don't continue to become the person that I, I am becoming and continue to progress artistically, I'm actually letting my kids down because they need to see me happy and they need to see me. It doesn't mean that I say, okay, but guys, bye. I'll be on tour for 30 days and fuck off. doesn't mean that, but it also doesn't mean that I say, because I'm a dad, I no longer commit time to this or care about this because they know I care about it. They're becoming cognizant of who I am and they like music, a lot of the same music that I do. So it almost becomes a a double-edged sword. It's like, no, I have to keep doing this, not in spite of my family, for my family. I have to continue to develop as a person and as an artist, that's just a component of who I am as a person. Yeah, and it's not like it's detrimental to your family or anything like that. It's not like you're blowing them off to go to the studio and things like that. You're still making sure things that need to be taken care of are taken care of before you give that time to yourself. Right. But it's also, I think that's the thing that a lot of people have a hard time understanding. You know, people will spend a lot of time coming up with excuses for why they can't do something instead of just fucking doing it. You know, Mm -hmm. if you want to do something and the options aren't there for it to happen, then work towards the first thing that you need. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so weird. Like, I got people that will talk to me about uh, wanting to record music, for example. Uh, I'm like, okay. um, So, do you got a computer? Yeah. Great. Oh, well, it's not very good. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I still record most of my music on a windows 98 IBM that I've had for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Trust me, you can record music on whatever, like your four year old shitty MacBook that runs Google Chrome slow. You can record music on it. Sure. Yeah. You know, so don't give me that excuse. Oh, well, you know, I don't have the money for it. Okay. That's understandable. But then it's like, the bigger problem here then is, okay. So I'm talking to like somebody in their late twenties they can't afford a hundred bucks to buy something for themselves. And it's like, this is a not, it's kind of a social conversation, but it's like, if you're in a position as a person that is hungry to create art and you're in a position, I feel like if you're, you should be able to, if you're working, you should be able to afford, you know, things for yourself on a small level. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, well, if you want something bad enough, then why not, take a step back outside of the art and be like, okay, well, how are you making money? You know, like, oh, you have a job that you don't like. Let's get a job that maybe you like that maybe you'll make a little bit more money or find a way to grow in the company you're in. Or if there's no room to grow in the company you're in, think about like the big picture and how 
those things, even if like talking about work sucks, think about how it could benefit the things that you want to do for real in your life. You know, like not everybody has jobs that they like, but if you can get a job that will support you enough to allow you to do the things that make you really, really happy, you know, do it. Right. Instead of like working at like a maybe like a mall job that's super easy or whatever, where you don't challenge yourself, there's no room for growth. And I'm just saying, not necessarily a mall job, but you know, anything. There's plenty of positions out there to like that. It's like, it's easy work. I don't got to do a whole lot, but you know, I'm only making like nine bucks an hour. It's right. like, well, that kind of sucks. Like, why not? If you want to be able to do more with your life that requires finances, put yourself in that position to make more money so you could do more creative things and have more time to do the shit you want to do. That was yeah. a really long rant, but it made sense. You know, I did it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it made sense. I have similar feelings and you know, that, that transcends music. Like you said, that could be at a job that could be with your, your personal life. And I think that people get caught up and I have gotten caught up in situations where the people you surround yourself with, there's sort of an echo chamber of excuses. It's sort of like, well, if, if, if Billy and Tom and X, Y, and Z feel the same way, then it's got to be impossible. If I somehow confirmed with a couple people of, that are my neighbors that, you know, staying up late at night and getting this done or finding the money to, to budget my project is impossible, then I have it now in my mind that it's virtually fucking impossible. Yeah. And the best way to circumvent that and get beyond that is to surround yourself with just people who are getting stuff done and getting it done with a smile on their face. You know, they're not, they're not bitching about it. They're not, woe is me. It's just, Hey, I, I know this is important to me. I'm I'm going to set time aside to get this done and come hell or high water, I'm going to get it done because I know myself and I know that if I don't, the ramifications are going to be worse than just the pain of not totally. having slept or, or whatever. It's, yeah. it's how bad you want it. I think like as an artist, it's really easy to get caught up in yourself and forget about the world outside of you and even just forget about yourself outside of your art, like just yourself as a fucking human being mm -hmm. and i know people are like well my heart is all i am it's just like shut the fuck up all right let's take it back a notch yeah. and realize that there's so much more to the world than your art and again i agree like if you're not in a healthy happy place you can't be productive and really get stuff done it, you need to be just in that right mindset and it's just like especially with musicians when i was living in Southside. I would be around people that, you know, had shitty jobs, would spend all their money at the bar and then complain that they didn't have time, you know, to make things happen or money to make things happen. It's just right. like, get a better job, stop going to the bar and do what you really want to do. All the time that you're spending here complaining about it, you could be fucking doing it. Right. It's ownership. And ownership is something that I think is a lot harder to put your finger on and something that's as loosely defined as art. You know, you can say, hey, ownership, responsibility for my own actions. If you're in the military, you know, that's fine. You, you have to. You have to get up at a certain time, yeah. right? You have to run drills. And if you don't, there's going to be repercussions for that. But again, when you're, when you're funding your own project or you're doing something for the fuck of it or because you, you maybe no one else yet, maybe in a couple years, hundreds or thousands or millions of people will, but for the time being, you are the only one who thinks that's important. 
it's hard to get up every morning and find that backbone to do the hard stuff in the day that you don't have to do. And again, I'm not, I don't say that in a condescending way because I'm as guilty of that as anybody. There's very frequently times in my day where it just comes to the end of the day and I'm just thinking, I just can't do that. Yeah. I just can't. There's, there's just no possible way. And then sometimes I sit and I stew it over and I get mad about it. And I think, am I going to go to sleep? Am I going to get done? And I either fail or succeed. Yeah. And I, I, I think, make a choice. You're at a fork in the road. Yeah. The other thing that I remind myself a lot of nowadays, um, especially when it comes to art related things, is that nobody cares as much as you do when it comes to your art. And that's kind of like what I said earlier about like nobody's beating down my door for the Sykes album. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's just like – so like beating myself up late at night because I didn't get enough stuff done in a day or I didn't get – or I did something and it was you know a waste of time or a show went bad. Nobody gives a fuck really besides me. Right. So it's just like – Take the positives that you can from it, even if it's just like a fucking sliver of a positive, and just get up the next day and just move forward. Think about like what the fuck's going wrong and fix it, you know? Yeah. Uh, for example, the last show we played together was not the best outcome for me at a show. You know, I fucking went nuts. And I actually, I brought it up on a, another episode with somebody recently that I was talking to. But mm -hmm. that was the thing. Like, I just totally melted down. But, you know, and I was up super late just thinking about shit. But I woke up the next day, you know, and I texted everybody in my band. And, you know, I just started getting shit together. I was like, okay, like, this is what I don't like what's been going on. This is how I'm going to fix it. Like, are you on board or not? You yeah. know, and just like not being all like, not gonna like feel bad about myself for flipping out because I felt like in a way I needed it in some way, mm -hmm. but also not allow myself to remain in that mentality. Yeah. Just be like, okay, like that was fucked up. Why did that happen? Okay, I think I figured it out. Let's work on fixing this. Yes. And now, like, I've just been in a much clearer mindset since then that's great so yeah you gotta you gotta press pause sometimes and be introspective it's it's hard it's like i just don't allow myself to do it it's almost impossible because you're you and i'm me yeah you know so we <laughs> we see through the fucking you know eyes that we we have so it, you know you can try to empathize with other people you can try to be objective but no one will ever be truly objective you're gonna have that tint of whatever your emotions, you know, boil up. Um, did you feel like people were receptive to that? To that when you like, just, when you hit people up afterwards. Yeah, totally. I mean, it seemed like, again, like everybody was more or less were like concerned for me as a person, just mm -hmm. as a friend and things like that. Nobody was like worried about my art. Nobody gave a shit about the show. Everybody was like, it was fine. I just want to make sure you're okay. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of that reminder where it's like, again, outside of all of this art, like we're still just fucking people. Yeah. And you know, you need to be, you need to, you can't lose sight of that. You know, it was just like, I was just like on some other shit, but like immediately the next day, just feeling bad. Cause it was just like, no matter like how angry I was about other shit that had gone on, over the past couple of weeks and how shit went that night 
or whatever. It's like there was still people there standing at the front of the stage mm-hmm. that could have been doing a thousand other things at night, but were choosing to watch me play a set. Right. And like I felt like I let them down by, you know, flipping out and walking off stage. Mm-hmm. It felt like, you know, super selfish and just dumb and unnecessary. And it's like, all I give a fuck about is performing. It's like, I should have just finished the set. But like, I just literally couldn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I reached out to people that were there at the show and everything. Again, every Pretty much everybody was just like, I just wanted to make sure you were okay. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like the people that were there weren't there because like they're specifically fans of my music. They were there because they're my friends. And some of them are like borderline family right you know and it's like that's why they were there so it's like don't lose sight of that kind of shit you know what i mean because that that's it's fucking important you know it's just like those people are there supporting you because they care about you on a level that's deeper than just being like a fan of your music or someone that's knows who you are you know what i mean they're there because i mean those are people that i've known for like ever and people right. that have like been with me and probably seen me play at the Moose more than three times, you know. So yeah. it's like they're there because you know we're all supporting each other, right? So it's like this is so shitty to just kind of like let yourself get in that like my, that mind frame I was in. But it was at the same time it was like completely like I just literally felt like out of control. Yeah. So hey, I'm here. We're here. We're okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> it fucking sucked, but... Well, I think it was... I mean, just because I was there, you yeah. know, and I somewhat remember it. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's... A, that that was a... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't turn this off. Won't answer that. Okay. <laughs> we'll, so. we'll edit that out. Fuck it. Yeah, that's um, fine. Yeah, I think that was a, that was a physical um, representation of what a lot of people go through in their mind, you know, how many people, how many artists have said, man, fuck it. This isn't worth it. I want to quit. You know, I'm not getting what I, I'm not getting what I put in and I feel whatever way about it. And I feel like that was just you feeling that way at that moment. But a lot of people feel that way in their head. And I, I feel that way frequently. You know, I feel that way all the time. Like, is it, is it worth it for me to do this? And that's sort of <laughs> not to continually plug the new album for my own amusement, well, but coming out October here, right? 20th, but um, <laughs> it does, it, there is a breaking point where I feel like I hit uh, on that same note insofar as I just got to the point in writing that I just felt like uh, if this isn't fun for me, I'm not going to do it. And then I took a minute to think about it. And then I thought, well, this is fun. This is really fucking fun. Like, I really like this. I really like writing. I really like uh, making records. And I don't totally care what I get back from it. And that realization was probably the first time that I had that in the writing process. And I'm not saying that the other albums I had some you know, quota or some, oh, this one's got to be on the X or this one's for this person. That That's never the case. I, I've never written things specifically for a group of people or pandered to people, but this has been the first album where it's just been like, you know, I really got nothing to lose and I really am just going to let the world see the asshole that I really am at this point. You know, I'm not going to try to be cool at all so about is, it. Does that give in, like, cater to the name? 
the title. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I think just, just tying back to what you're talking about, um, you know, a lot of people feel that way, but people feel like they need to put on a front sometimes of, no, I got it. I got it under control. You know, don't worry about me. I got it. This is what we're going to be. And, and when you deal with artists on the local level, that's a lot of what it is. It's all I got big plans and this is where it's going and this is why I'm doing this and I, I know that the, there yeah. will be a receipt on this and at the end of the day, I mean, we've heard so many people talk so much shit and that's not really what it's about and again, it sounds cliche. It sounds like we're, we're you know, whatever, stroking our own cocks here but um, I truly believe that the best music and the best art, at least from, from what I can do and what I can produce, comes when I'm totally uninhibited when i'm totally not feeling like i'm writing for anybody but myself and that that goes that goes pretty deep yeah the thing with me in writing is pretty much the same it's just you know writing stuff that i want to hear i've never i mean both of us have never been the types to cater to like trending things or anything like that so it's, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's for not necessarily been to our benefit for us mm -hmm. being stubborn about our art, but I think that it's just, it's the way that we do things. It's like, we've, I think that like making it was never really a super big concern for either of us. Mm -hmm. I think that if it was, we probably would have approached things differently from the gate. You know, I don't know. I just think that with me, at least I've just always like. I just want to do what I want to do. And if I ever do make it, I like want to make it on my own terms. Sure. Like I don't want to make it because I decided that, Oh, like I can make a record that sounds like insert popular artist here. Right. You know, cause I, I probably could do that. Right. But that was the thing. It was like, no, it's like, I like that. There are people that, you know, can hear my beats and be like, Oh, that sounds like a psych beat. Right. Like, how can I evolve and build on that? I just want to continue to build my own thing rather than just being like, oh, like, this sounds like, you know, such and such, which I get, you know, I still get people that are like, oh, yeah, like, kind of sounds like Limp Bizkit. And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know when the last time you listened to music was, but okay, thanks. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's I, it's like, I, but it's like all over the place. You know, I've gotten like. Pe obviously people that say that and then people that say the obvious ones Linkin Park and Rage mm -hmm. Against the Machine Beastie Boys is a big one yes and then uh, I played VegFest on Sunday and a dude walked up and he was like yeah it like, kind of reminded me of Cypress Hill and I was like that's random there you but go. thanks for not saying Limp Biscuit. I appreciate that yeah. and then he was like oh yeah it was like <laughs> kind of like Beastie Boys too and I was like there you go there you go <laughs> but yeah. I, it's, it's like I get it but it's I don't know yeah it's it's hard like in in writing this ep for me it's been hard because i've almost gone so far in that direction where i'm like writing things and then i like look back and i'm like no that's an inside joke like that's not like i still want it to be palatable to people that <laughs> don't know me yeah which is a, a struggle because you don't want to go so far in that direction where people are just like like you want somebody who are you talking about like lyrical content yeah yeah, yeah. You, you want somebody who has never met you to and and from any walk of life to be able to get a thorough idea of who you are where you're coming from what you're trying to do and feel your sound but that's not always going to happen. Right. So it's like where you walk a very thin line. Um, like 
as far as walking thin lines, like I even look at, you know, politics, right? So I'm not a, uh, I'm not writing, I'm not anti-flag, I'm not a politically charged artist. I, I've sort of intentionally kept that out. And I think you have too. Yeah. Sort of kept that out of what you do. There's a little bit of that on this record. And I had a hard time with that because I thought, you know, I tried to put the shoe on the other foot and think, what if I was listening to the new Big Boy record, which is fucking dope, by the way, but I'm just pulling that out of thin air, a new record that I like, right? That's that's hip hop. So what if I'm listening to the new you know, Big Boy record and halfway through one of the songs I'm really into, he's like, yeah, and Trump won because he deserved it. You know, I'd probably be like, whoa, wait <laughs> a minute. Fuck this guy, right? Uh-huh. So... I didn't want to alienate people. I didn't want people to feel stupid because they were listening to me. But at the same time, I was sort of tired of pulling punches and I was tired of not being my real self. So I felt as in this one, as long as my real self was intelligible to people and not things that only my friends and I think are funny and things that anyone can understand or relate to, even if they relate to it in a negative way, I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's a slippery because that's a slippery slope because everybody's doing it. Although I say that, but I haven't heard that many hip hop songs that are about our current political climate. Is everyone shying away from that? Is is that something that nobody really wants to get into? Or am I just missing a lot of really bad music? I haven't really heard anything yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, maybe I just maybe just nobody really even knows what to say. <laughs> it just seems like <laughs> fuck it. Like somebody like you might like write a verse, and then the next day a whole other barrel of shit comes down the pipeline. Yeah. You're like, oh fuck. You like, can't. That that was another thing I struggled with, and I don't have that one song on this album that's like the political song. It's it's sort of spread throughout. Um. But having said that, yeah, where where do you where do you start? You don't want to do topical stuff that's in the news that in a couple weeks will in be a, usurped by a bigger headline or something nobody cares hours. about. You have to you have to speak generally, and I feel like I got that. I hopefully did. Hopefully got that sweet spot of people are gonna know where I'm coming from. And it's funny because I have I do have people I personally know that really like my music that are not gonna agree with that. They're not gonna agree with me politically, and I. Feel feel like I feel like it's going to be okay. Like I feel like they know me well enough. They probably don't agree with me on anything anyway, that if we haven't already got to that fork in the road and they haven't already stopped listening, that this isn't going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I could be wrong, but you just get to that point when you're writing where there's no black or white answer. It's, I guess if I really feel this, I should put it out there. But in what way am I putting it out there? Because you you don't want to just tell people that they're dumb, because that doesn't do you any favor. It might yeah. feel good for a minute, but it doesn't it doesn't build your audience, and it it doesn't help for people it to builds be an audience of people that you might not necessarily want. Yes, you could build a very <laughs> negative audience. Yeah. Um. But that again, I, I don't mean to to throw a curveball and make this a downward spiral into a political discussion, but that's just something that. I struggled with on this album of what's too much because I can't give everybody everything, right? Because I'm already telling people on this record that mm-hmm. I play with, you know, WWF figures in the basement and my <laughs> wife doesn't know about it. And she, you know, <laughs> like, I'm literally saying, I'm talking, I'm bitching about George R.R. R. Martin not finishing the next Game of Thrones novel and what the fuck is he doing? And it's like, I'm already going so far that I feel like 
how much of my real asshole self can I be? And that was a challenge with this record. And that's why it's called for my own amusement because I feel as though if nobody else likes it, I fucking definitely do. <laughs> I fucking think this record's awesome. I don't care. <laughs> you should uh like if you get CDs made, you should have the like the hype sticker and they have like the the critic reviews. You should have your own review from the podcast. I do it myself. Yeah. There, there I it is. fucking definitely do. But I mean, do you, cause I mean, I'm, I'm very familiar with your writing style and you know, I know all your music, you know, how often do you get to that point where you're, you're feeling like you're, you're in, you're grooving with the subject or with the style and you, you get to that point where, okay, who's going to get this? Are they going to get this? Who am I talking to? Yeah. Am definitely. I being authentic to myself? Like, do you kind of get what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's sometimes where like, I'll write things that are, like like almost cryptic to a point that like it it's nobody in the world would ever understand it besides me just like weird references to things yeah but it's like the rhythm's tight and it works well with the beat so maybe i'll leave it or maybe i won't right. you know uh, i try i'm trying to i try to be more conscious of it though there's a in particular one verse on the new sykes album that i did eventually replace okay uh, cuz it was one of those things it was very um I just I thought it was cool. It didn't really make any sense, but uh, it made sense to me. Sure. And it was just like really uh, obscure movie and references to like a, where I was at in my head at the time that I wrote it. I was like super drunk. Specifically, I wrote the verse drunk at the barcade in Brooklyn, New York by myself. Because mm. I was up there for like the holidays visiting my uncle. And I remember I was in Barcade and I was drinking, but I'm so productive to a point where like if I'm just at a bar drinking. It's like I'm still trying to write shit. So yeah. I'll just like start writing verses or work on something on my phone. Like I'm not just going to enjoy this time alone. Like I got to write. It's like I almost, I'm in a better mood if I'm at least writing something. So yeah. I ended up writing like this really wacky verse that th it made sense to me in the time. But like mm -hmm. if you were to from the outside looking in, it's like, this doesn't, like, what is he talking about? You know? Right. So I kind of, I eventually decided to scrap it, even though I thought it was like, personally, it came from like a cool place and a cool time. Just, it was like a cool experience writing it, but I don't think anybody else is going to get it. Yeah, that's hard. And I, I've, I've had that same challenge of almost speaking above my audience and, and using words maybe people don't understand. And, you know, that, that gets to a, a tough point because you, again, you, you're writing for yourself. You want it to be something you're happy with, but you don't want there to be some disconnect where people are constantly needing to, you know, Google references that you have some yeah. obscure fucking reference. And that's sort of, I, I feel like with this new one, I, I really walked that line and I, I hopefully am right there where it's like any bit, any, any one, one step forward, it, it would be unintelligible and it would be for such a niche audience that, uh -huh. you know, it wouldn't work, but hopefully with where I am now, it's, it's general enough that people can get a real, um, can get a real grasp of the asshole that I really am. Sure. Sure. And I'm looking forward to he hearing it and yeah. seeing, seeing what you're saying. You know, I have a problem with, you know, sometimes writing things that are too personal, mm -hmm. um, you know, being somebody who, uh, I don't know, just like the, 
so I wrote a lot of these songs like a year to two years ago. And the position I'm in in my life now with certain people that are in it, they weren't there a year or two ago. Sure. And, you know, basically I have one song that's going to be on the album um, against my better judgment that I'm going to leave on the album. That's a, basically a kind of about being in that situation of living in the South side and not being committed to one particular person mm -hmm. and putting yourself in a shitty situation where you're around shitty people and you're doing shitty things that you shouldn't be doing with certain people. Right. And just kind of like wrote a whole song kind of about a downward spiral that I was in that involves a lot of things that might make somebody like my girlfriend really uncomfortable. Sure. But at the same time, I'm like, fuck, this is a really cool song. And I feel like it's something that's relatable to people on a level outside of myself. Right. Cause I try to write things from a perspective where it's personal to me, but it's not like naming a specific situation or specific people. Like I like being able right. to write music that people can kind of, uh, paste their own life into and relate to in a way it's general enough so that it could yeah. be it could be them yeah yeah but i think you know there's still that point though where if i'm writing something it's none of it's fabricated like these are all things that have happened sure so it's really easy for certain people in my like close circle to maybe hear those things analyze them and then feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. you know i've written songs like some songs where like i've had friends text me like dude I'll listen to that song like are you okay what's going on mm -hmm. and it's like they're able to read into it yeah and it's just kind of like yeah i mean like yeah like one thanks for listening to the song two yeah it was kind of a fucked up weird time in my life but i'm okay now right usually if i'm at a point where i can like write and record a song that means that it's almost been like a therapy in a way. Like I've been able to mm -hmm. like turn it into something productive. And now mm -hmm. I can look at that negative past experience in a positive light and put some art into the world. Right. Cause I find that like negative music or not necessarily negative music, but like more like music about like things that are sad or, you know, I don't know if I ever find a song that I can relate to, it always ends up making me feel better. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. like it makes you feel like you're not so, alone in the world in a weird way you know right. somebody else has those feelings or somebody else is able to articulate the feelings that you're having with like this beautiful work of art it's like this awesome piece of music it's like holy shit just makes me like the world is great and music is awesome and like you know i'm not alone right so if i can do that for somebody else awesome absolutely I know this is faux pas, but would I be able to hit the bathroom real quick? Totally. I know we have a pause button, so yeah, I wasn't no. sure if that... <laughs> yeah, no, you can hit the bathroom and we'll... I have a thought on we'll, that to pick directly we'll... up that we could edit. Okay, perfect. Wow, I just turned my phone on. I got fucking all these Game of Thrones texts from my dad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Look at this. Look at this shit. Look at this. This is all from now. Oh, this my God. All, this is all Game of Thrones from last night. So it looks like he's writing the, the next book. He's finishing that book that you were he's, just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could. He could do the fucking fan fiction. Are we rolling again? I didn't. I never stopped it. Oh, I never stopped. Oh, okay. I mean, I'll edit it, but good, good. Sometimes well, back, people got to pee, and then we 
I also refilled our beers. So. We got a pee. We got some new beer. Yeah. I got about 45 texts from my dad about Game of Thrones <laughs> that I'm going to have to very tactfully answer. Yeah. Uh, I, I realized that we had been recording for about an hour already, and I thought we had been going for maybe 30 minutes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But, uh, well, yeah, in, in relation to you know what you were saying before I abruptly stopped to pee, um, yeah, that it's it's a slippery slope, and it goes back to the mm-hmm. fact that there's nobody that's going to come and tell you, yeah, that's this is the answer. That's this is what you should do. There's there's nobody. There's no big brother that's going to manage that for you. Um, I look back to like my last album was Detonate, and I look at from Detonate to now, um, it, it couldn't be more night and day in as far as what I'm talking about. You know what? I, what? I, what I'm caring about, like that was during 2014. Um, I, I just got laid off from a job where I was making a lot of money for a corporation, and um, it was a really just chaotic and uh, just bad point in my life. You know, it was it was just a bad point. You know, there were points uh, during that time where I was I was literally staying up all night. You know, and I was drinking on weeknights, and I was just going to work on no sleep and just saying fuck it. You know, I just was at that point. Hence the name detonate. There's a lot of angst. There's a lot of anger. It's a, I think it, it withstands the test of time. I'll stand behind it. I'm happy about the record still, but it's entertaining people at my expense, right? Like (laughs) the whole, the whole, you know, you know about that. The whole, my pain is your pleasure thing. Uh People would be entertained at my expense. Whereas I feel like with this album, I feel like we can all kind of come to our own place where we're all having fun. Right. And I'm self-deprecating enough to say, you know, hey, it's not like (laughs) it's not like it's not at my expense. Wink, wink. But it's at my expense. Wink, wink. It's not. Wow. That was a tumultuous, terrible point in my life. Like I'm I'm letting loose. I'm talking about shit that's fun. It's more lighthearted. I'm not taking myself as seriously. And in doing that, I feel like I'm I'm putting out a better style of music that people will be able to get behind. It's like more yourself. I think that it's more me because I'm I, not a mopey guy. That that that's the same thing with fucking me that I had to come and realize was that I kind of got to a point where you know early psych stuff. I wrote goofy songs and then kind of like tinges of seriousness and sarcasm, but there was like fun themes and bouncy rhythms and you know it was like a a little party at times. Sure. And then I was like. I need to stop writing goofy stuff. I want people to take me seriously because I'm a serious artist and I write about serious things. And uh, I don't know why that happened. I don't know when I got in that mindset or how that how that came about. Uh, but it did. And it took me a while to kind of finally now just be comfortable with the fact of like, oh, I can write songs that are more tongue-in-cheek again and I could do some more goofy things and I can... I don't have to be so serious. I'm a right pretty like I'm not like a goofy person, but I'm also not like a miserable person. I'm just like I like to have fun. And I like to work on my things and be productive and I generally have a pretty good positive outlook on life. So it's like sure. why is my music not a direct reflection of that? Sure. And maybe that's been a huge part of the problem is that the art that I've been putting out has not been a direct reflection of myself. So in a way I've been like putting on a front that I didn't even intend to put on or like I was just like advertising myself to people that don't know me as something that I'm not sure. And maybe just confusing people that don't know me, 
you know? So trying to trying well, I, I can't even say that I'm trying to change that because I have changed that. I just now I need to finish the album. Right. And get it out there so people can see it and right. hear it. I mean, we're playing the stuff live now, so some people have heard some of the songs, but uh, yeah, I yeah it, it'll great. be thank you. Yeah. It'll be a, a lot different once you know it's actually there and like the the full picture is realized. Yeah, and that's again no right or wrong answer. Uh, such a slippery slope, you know. Um, you, you want those songs that are experiential and those songs that talk about hardship because people can get deep with you, people can relate. But um, I just haven't had. I'm not saying my life's not hard now. It's harder than it's ever been. You know, I got three kids. I got a demanding job, but I feel like I'm generally doing something worthwhile. So I feel like my music finally reflects that. And so now rather than say, Hey, I got to change everybody's mind on religion or I got to change everybody's mind on (laughs) fucking whatever. I know I don't, I don't really pick a hill to die on. I mean, there's a song called Swedish fish where I'm just the the base. I guess the, the whole point of the song is making fun of myself and talking about how I'm a man baby. And I still, uh, you know, again, play with action figures and fucking like, like comic books and, you know, do what I what make prank calls and a lot of like, <laughs> and, and I do, do you like, still make prank calls. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Every day. Here's a funny story. Um, I do a thing called drive bys. Have I ever told you about this? I think I've been in the car. with. Have you been in a car with me oh, for a drive by? Yes, yes. Andy, uh, AKA kilter vision or he's big on these and he and I do these, but it's sort of like a prank call when you're not set up to do a prank call. Like I don't like to prank people when I'm driving because it just it's like the texting and driving thing. Uh-huh. I, I just I don't want to do it. It's it's not responsible socially. So what I like to do when I'm just driving around and I need to amuse myself is I'll just talk to somebody as I'm going past. Like if I'm at a red light that's about to change green and I know that I'll never be held accountable for this, like I'll just crack my window down and, you know, maybe some, you know, nice couples there and I say, excuse me, do you know where the fire hall is? And they come up and they're, oh yeah, well, what you want to do, sir, is you want to go down the street? I say, "Uh uh-huh. And I just let them keep going, "Uh uh-huh. And I just let them get his balls deep into the directions as possible. And as soon as that light turns, I say, oh, well, thank you so much, man. But I just want to tell you that you can just kiss my ass and then just peel out and get the fuck out of there. And uh, yeah, it's morally reprehensible, but I find it fucking hilarious by yourself. I do. Funny story, Brian. (laughs) I can prove that I do because one time uh, I was out to dinner with my wife, Rachel, and we had left in separate cars for whatever reason. And apparently we were a couple. She wasn't right behind me. She was a few cars behind me. Apparently I had called her to ask her something and I thought I hung up on her, but I didn't. And she was listening to me the whole ride. And she heard me literally for for the whole fucking, I think, from like Butler Street, the whole way down to Allegheny Boulevard to Verona. She heard me nail about 10 drive-bys. And then I finally realized my phone was on and I picked it up. I'm like, oh my God, are are you there? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, I just am just sitting here listening to you yell at people in different accents and dialects and fucking with people. And she totally knows that I do that and I do it by myself because I just think it's fucking funny and I don't say I don't tell people to kill themselves or I don't say anything that's going to scar people for life. It's all good natured. It's all good hearted, but um, I just think it's funny and I guess that's kind of what this album is about is just embracing that is just embracing like 
You enjoy things for a reason, just like what we were talking about. It doesn't matter if you're 20, 30, 40, 50. They're just certain things that make you happy that you should be unapologetic about. And I came to that realization. So I've come to the point in my life where I can hone in and focus on that part of myself and not worry about (laughs) some of the heavier stuff that I've fucked with on my past albums, which is good. Definitely. Uh, And to anyone who hasn't done a drive-by, I recommend it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else we should uh, touch up on? How do you like the uh, uh yeah. the, the beer there? Uh this is good. Yeah. Refreshing. What is this? This is the Boulevard Bourbon Barrel Aged Quad. I was gonna guess some something aged. Mm-hmm. Taste had a tint of agey. Yeah. But that's uh, good. Well, yeah, Brian, I did have something that I definitely want to discuss with you. How okay. do you feel about the whole free the nipple? Are you are you okay with that? <laughs> are you nipple? trolling me right now? Is no, I just actual I'm, question. I'm just curious, yeah. I mean, I think it's fine. Uh, I don't know. I, I have a hard time getting behind like movements with slogans attached to them. Mm-hmm. Just kind of irks me. But yeah, I mean, I'm I think that it's going to take a long time before we live in a society where like a girl can walk around without her shirt on and it not be really fucking weird and distracting. Yes. Like, I don't really necessarily... To a bunch of dudes standing yeah. around. I, I, oh, there's I, a nipple. I don't, give, I don't give a shit about breasts. Sure. Or boobs. Honkers. Whatever whatever you want to call it. I don't care. I'm concerned about it. Um, I feel like this country's going in the wrong direction. <laughs> you know, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I would regulate that a little more heavily. I would actually peel that back and, and well, do a little more covering the nipple because... I feel like there's there's too many guys who think it's okay to walk around with their shirt off, right? And we see yeah, too I, much. We see too much nipple. Yeah, I like hate seeing seeing dudes walking around. Why is that okay? Off. Why is it okay? Yeah, because okay, look, I I like to throw some weights around. Like I like to think I take care of myself, but I wouldn't think in a million years to fucking mow my lawn with my shirt off, <laughs> right? This big sweaty asshole outside mowing my lawn, and it's always the guys that have no business taking their shirt off that are always walking around with their shirt off and that offends me so i'm gonna start a campaign called cover the nipple and we're gonna actually get regressive and we're gonna go back to the 1800s where people were you know what put these people in a fucking burka for all i care i don't want to see anybody's nipple that's all i'm saying and as long as that point is driven home very thoroughly on the start to beat podcast then i'm okay with wrapping things up okay because I will die on that hill. That's my hill to die on, Brian. <laughs> October 20th. October 20th. For my own amusement. For my own amusement. You're having a Comes show, up. right? I'm having a show, yeah. October 20th at Cativo um, for my own amusement release party. I'm going to be in Phoenix on October 10th at the Rogue Bar. So if anybody, uh, if, if this podcast gets to any listeners out there, come fucking hang out. It's a great venue. Really great scene out there. Uh, really love it. And I'll probably have some more West Coast dates announced for the October, November timeframe. But yeah, for all you Pittsburgh guys, album comes out on October 20th. Come to Cativo. 
come hang out. Um, Amok412 on Facebook, Twitter, all that bullshit. I'm actually doing a thing, um, a, or I have thumb drives coming that are going to have my whole discography on them that are going to be 10 bucks for just everything I've ever done. And they have a little Amok logo. They look cool. Um, you could pleasure yourself with them. They're that size. So go ahead and, and check that out. And uh, yeah, got a bunch of shit coming up. Just look me up on that social media bullshit. I'll hopefully, if not musically, have something funny to say that you like that makes you want to continue to associate with me. Sounds good. I really like the flash drive idea with all the music on it. Yeah, I might have stole that from you. No, you didn't, but I might steal it good. from you. I think I stole it from someone. Yeah, I mean... I think someone said that and they just never <laughs> fucking did it. And I and then like a year passed and they didn't do it. And I was like, okay, I'll it. do it. So I'm glad it's not you because I'm glad that's not awkward. Yeah, no, it wasn't me. Yeah, but you get everything. You get fucking everything. So I got, there'll be the Plutocrat News stuff will be on there with Brian Sykes Howe. So you'll have five albums on there, all the artwork, lyrics. Um, and this is a bonus that I'm only just now telling people on your podcast exclusively. We we'll have a strong handful of prank calls that we've recorded that will be for the first time ever recorded. And I'm telling you, these aren't amateurish stuff, right? These are well thought out, good pranks by myself and Andrew, AKA Kilter vision. Who's produced a lot of the um, new album as have you, Brian, Brian uh, produces a song in the new album as well, but these pranks are, are he and I, and they go balls deep. So you're going to get a lot of stuff and they're a half a gig. So if you don't like what's on there, just delete it and fucking you got a half a gig for your own shit. Put your own bullshit on there. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> I'm not going to lose sleep over it, yeah. over what you do with your own thumb drive. It's yours, guys. Fuck it. <laughs> well, sounds good. Good good talking to you. Oh, yeah, man. I'm As sure always. we're still going to shoot the shit some more after I stop recording, but we oh, are overtime. At, yeah, we, we're good. I think we did it. All right. All right so, uh, oh, shit, I got to do my outro. Do Let it. Me, I'm going to sit the fuck back down. <sighs> okay. And that's all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Amok. Ryan, thanks again for coming over. He's over here checking his phone, reading his dad's Game of Thrones fan fiction. Uh, I'll, be back again. I'll be back again next week with another new episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2017. Whoop! Woo! Give me yeah. a Yeah! I was going to say, give him your best whoop-woo. Whoop-whoop! Thanks for listening. Now I'm done. Good shit. <laughs>